Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of James, or the epistle, epistle of James. And we've read chapter 1 in our last session. And at the end of that, James says, Pure and unblemished religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, saying this is, you know, how we should be, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the world. So, we should be uncontaminated and we should be looking after the fatherless and the widows. We should be looking after those in need. And that was the end of chapter 1. Now we're ready to read chapter 2. And in this case, this chapter break is pretty good because I feel like uh, James does move on into other territory. My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality toward people. Show no favoritism, no prejudice, no snobbery. For if a man comes into your meeting place wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes in, and you pay special attention to the one who wears the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in this good seat, and you tell the poor man, You stand over there or sit down on the floor by my footstool. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and as believers to be heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you, in contrast, have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress and exploit you and personally drag you into the courts of law? Do they not blaspheme the precious name of Christ by which you are called? So, James is really stressing that we do not discriminate, especially based on any outward appearances or, or your station in life. Um, you know, we're all, we're all children of God. We're all heirs to the kingdom. We're all citizens in the kingdom of God. There is, you know, there is no one of us better than the other, you know, as far as that goes. We are all God's children and we should all be looking after each other and caring for one another in an equal and proper manner. Um, and, and James does make a good point when he says, is it not the rich who oppress and exploit you because... I mean, we know even today, you know, rich people, well, to a large degree, they get rich off the work of other people, off the backs of other folks. Um, and they continue to get richer and richer off of that. So in a way, I mean, James makes an excellent point that is still true. Um, and that's not to be mean, and that's not to say that someone who owns a company and, and has people doesn't mean that they can't treat them well or that they don't. It just means that um, you're not always treated super excellently well. And, you know, basically, this is kind of true. You know, I mean, they, you know, the single person cannot do everything in their country, in their company and make all that money. They have to have all these other people, so they do use them. And in some cases, some people are exploited. And, and you know, they, you know, companies as a whole are made 
to make money that is their function now I'm not putting this down but I'm saying this is what a company does this is what they're supposed to do companies are supposed to produce something and make money from it that's what they're supposed to do that's their you know it's really their whole purpose so that's what they're supposed to do in the course of that you know people have to work for that company people have to do and and so um, that work that those people do you know it goes into that company it goes you know it benefits that company so but James does make a good point that is it not the rich who oppress and exploit you because in a lot of ways you know it can be that's that's probably the proper way to say that it can be sometimes it is <laughs> you know not always I was trying to I was trying to say that the right way, and I probably wasn't saying it the best, but uh, but not always, but it can be. It certainly can be. And then do they not blaspheme? Now, this I don't know about. Uh, this may have been something that was going on back then. Do they not blaspheme the precious name of Christ by which you're called? And and that still can happen today, too. I'm not saying it can't, but uh, I'm not sure if he's referring to something specific that was going on historically at that time. So that's a possibility meanwhile the poor the poor are supposed to be you know rich in faith heirs of the kingdom you know and God loves them and we need to love them and watch out for the poor we should be watching out for the poor and helping them more and so James is James is nicely you know putting this in place and explaining to us you know we should not be this way you know all right, I'm going to continue on. If, however, you are really fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, prejudice, favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as offenders. Now, notice this if you show partiality prejudice or favoritism and that's what we're talking about we're talking about prejudice really you know if you're being prejudiced against people due to outward appearance or their station in life or any number of reasons that, that we might think of that I'm just not thinking of right now that's wrong <clears throat> it's you are committing sin we we should not do that we should not do that with anybody we should not even do that with people who uh, have not found salvation because we want them to find salvation so we should treat them well and not show you know not be prejudiced against them but want them want to invite them and want to bring them into God's family alright we'll continue on for whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point he has been <clears throat> I'm sorry, he has become guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become guilty of transgressing the entire law. Speak and act consistently as people who are going to be judged by the law of liberty, that moral law that frees obedient Christians from the bondage of sin, for judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. But to the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs victoriously over judgment. 
So we should speak and act consistently. As people who are going to be judged by the law of liberty, we're going to be judged by love your neighbor as yourself. Did you treat your neighbor as yourself? Did you treat them appropriately? Did you act correctly towards them? We're going to be judged by this. And judgment will be merciless to those who show no mercy. But to the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we need to be merciful and forgiving and loving towards others. And God will be that way to us. We're all a part of God's family. Even the unsaved are supposed to be a part of God's family. And he wants them saved. He wants them to be part of the family. So we're not going to get there by treating them in a prejudiced, bad manner. Is that I hope that I hope that makes sense. In treating them incorrectly, we're not going to get them, draw them into God's family. <clears throat> Verse 14. What is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? Can that kind of faith save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing and lacks enough food for each day, and one of you says to him, says to them, Go in peace with my blessing, keep warm and feed yourselves, but he does not give them the necessities for the body, what good does that do? So too, faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. So, simply put, Faith requires that we do something. If we really believe, then we will do certain things. If we really believe, then, like if we have this person who says, you know, hey, I, I don't have anything or I need something, we will help them. If we genuinely believe, if we truly believe, if we don't believe, or if we doubt, I guess. I, I'm not sure how to say this exactly correctly, but if we go through our life and we claim to be a Christian and we listen to the, the message of God and, and we just listen and we never do anything and we never take any action based on it, then, then we have to question, do we truly believe if we're not taking any action? We should always be acting in faith in some way. You know, we should be doing something to try to show that we are trying to do something for the Lord. Um, I guess not to try to show it, but we should be trying to earnestly and genuinely trying to do something for the Lord. For His benefit that He will see, not worrying about what people see. I didn't mean it like we care. You know, we don't we don't worry about what people see or what people think so much, but we do want to make sure that we're doing stuff for the Lord, and that means we're doing stuff for other people. That's a big point that Jesus was making, is that we, you know, in a lot of what he talked about and a lot of what Paul talks about, is we should be um, doing for each other, helping each other, watching out for each other, uh, teaching each other. Uh, not uh, not doing things that offend each other. There's a, there's a whole lot of things, and you'll notice it has a lot to do with each other, uh, other people. And that would include, like I said again, that would include 
people who are not yet in God's family but are potential. They are potential brothers and sisters in Christ. So if we're just telling them, oh, you know, go in peace, be warm, and be fed, well, okay, thank you for that, I suppose, but, you know, I mean, like, you know, surely we could give them something, a sandwich, or, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to say, I mean, surely there's something we could do for them, um, more than just say, oh, you know, you know, you know, God bless you and good luck, or whatever, whatever people say, I don't know what people would say, but, uh, um, we can't just, you know, we can't just say the words and then not do anything. We can't just talk the talk and not walk the walk. We have to, we have to actually be following Jesus and not just talking about it. We can't be off the narrow path talking about it and never yet be on the path following Jesus doing what he's done. You know, and, and we miss the, we miss those points sometimes. I'm not saying we always do, but sometimes we do. But we do want to beware of being someone who basically has dead or inactive faith that isn't doing anything. You know, we can always do something. Um, it doesn't have to be something showy. It doesn't have to be something that anyone else even knows. It's really between you and God. Um, you can pray for others. You can, you know, you can make small, I mean, really, you could make small tiny donations even to, to help. Any kinds of things you can do. And I'm just throwing that as an example. Certainly not implying that you have to do anything. Like you could do something else. Maybe you maybe you make something or create something that would be beneficial. I, I don't know. You know, um, if you craft things that would be beneficial and help someone, then that would be great. You could do something like that. So there's so many different things that you could do and be a blessing to others. And that's what James is encouraging we need help, and in this case, you'll notice, I mean, specifically, this is poor, again, this is a poor person who doesn't have clothing or food, and they need help, and we need to help them. We need to do what we can for them. That, truly, truly, we don't need the government to supply people. We don't need the government and the welfare system. What we need are good churches that really help the people in their community. I'm just going to say it. That's, that's how it should be. But we've let things get so corrupted and messed up that um, the government tries to do what the church should be doing. And, and some churches don't do anything. Now, I'm not saying all. I'm not saying most. I'm just saying I know that some churches don't do anything. I know some churches really do try to do stuff in their community, and it's really great. So, all right, going to move on. Verse 18. Sorry, my eyesight was not the best there. But anyway, verse 18. But someone may say, You claim to have faith, and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without the works, if you can, and I will show you my faith by my works, that is, by what I do. You believe that God is one. You do well to believe that. The demons also believe that, and shudder, and bristle in awe-filled terror. They have seen his wrath. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish, spiritually shallow person, that faith without good works is useless? 
And see, he's he's reiterating again that, that faith, if we're not acting on it, if we're not doing something, then that faith is worthless and meaningless. We're not really doing something for others. We're not doing something for, you know, Jesus said, whatever we do for these, you know, and he said, whenever we, you know, feed someone or offer someone something or visit them in prison or, or sick, I, you know, I'm... I'm really loose, very loosely paraphrasing, then we've done it for him, because that's what he wants from us. He wants us to help these people, help the poor, and help the less fortunate folks. So if we're not doing that, then our faith is worthless, it's useless. Was our father Abraham not shown to be justified by works of obedience which expressed his faith? when he offered Isaac his son on the altar as a sacrifice to God? Exactly. He went in obedience and did as he was supposed to do out of faith. And and he did a lot of things out of faith. Just trusting and following God, he did a lot of things. I mean, he went from one place to another because God said, hey, go go here and I'll take you to a place and this will be your land. And you know, he, and, and God gave him all these promises that uh, that really culminated in Jesus and, and the, the promises that we're living in now. And then some promise, some promise we will still see when Jesus comes back and we all go to heaven. You see that his faith was working together with his works, and as a result of the works, his faith was completed reaching its maturity when he expressed his faith through obedience. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and this faith was credited to him by God as righteousness and as conformity to his will. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man, believer, is justified by works and not by faith alone. That is, by acts of obedience, a born-again believer reveals his faith. See, it's not like we're working to save ourselves. God has already given us salvation, but we're working for God to prove that it's a proof that we believe. If I believe, well, if I believe the frying pan is hot, I won't put my hand in it and burn it. But if I don't believe it, if I don't realize it or don't think about it, <clears throat> I might grab part of it and burn myself. You know, um, that's probably not the best analogy. I'm trying to think of a better one. You know, if you sw if you can swim, you'll jump into the pool and swim. You know, but if you can't swim, you won't. And and it's kind of like it's kind of like that. You will prove what you believe by what you do. You'll you'll prove what you can do by what you do. Your actions will prove out your faith. And I'm just, I, I, I tell you, I'm just not coming up with a good example, and I apologize for that. <clears throat> but if you truly believe something, you will act upon it. If you believe that it is beneficial for your child to learn certain things, you will teach them those things so that they know that. And then other things that maybe you're like, you don't necessarily have such a strong belief on, or maybe you're unsure of, or things that you don't believe, you will not teach your child. You do not want them to be confused or bothered with that. 
I'm trying to trying to come up with a better example, but I'm not getting it. So nonetheless, the the thing is, when we truly believe in something, if we believe in God and Jesus, then we will act accordingly and act upon that, and we will treat others the way you know the way we want to be treated. We will act accordingly. So I'm going to continue on since I'm not coming up with a good a good example. <clears throat> In the same way was Rahab the prostitute not justified by works too, when she received the Hebrews spies as guests and protected them and sent them and sent them away to escape by a different route. For just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. So that's a pretty good example too. If we have faith but we don't do anything with it, then that faith is is dead. It's it's useless. If you have um, a knife at hand to cut your chicken up, and you were and yet you just rip the chicken apart with your hands, you refuse to use the knife. Well, then the knife is useless. It is pointless. You know, if you have a car but you walk everywhere and you never use the car, then the car is pointless. It's useless. It's un unnecessary. So the faith without the acts, without the works, is basically dead and useless. You know, we we need to make sure that we're doing these works. It's not to save ourselves. God gives us salvation freely, but it's to be a blessing, and it's it's out of appreciation for what God has done for us. So there's a lot of reasons to do that, but that's that's some of those reasons. I mean, we want to please God. We want to. Uh, to act out of uh, that belief in God and in Jesus, and we want to do what they want us to do, which is, you know, love one another, take care of one another here, and love God. And love God is really first, but if you love God, you'll want to do these other things. That's another thing about this faith. If you love God, then you'll want to do these things that please Him. And it just all kinds of kind of builds together, and then you will have actions, and it may be small actions, just small actions throughout your life, your day, where occasionally you get an opportunity and you help somebody a little, or you do a little something, and you know these things will happen naturally over time. I think God gives us little opportunities here and there to to help others and to and to. Uh, be a part of, of his love to everyone, you know, because that's what we want to be. We want to be a part of his his caring and his kindness and his mercy to everyone. So, all right, so that is James chapter 2. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.